Hello, I'm attorney Stephen R. Golden of Stephen R. Golden and Associates. Our firm is a full-service law firm dedicated to the middle class and businesses. We excel in areas of business and real estate, law, and litigation. Our firm can also reduce your debt through negotiation or bankruptcy. Our attorneys have experience in wills, trusts, and probate, helping you to maintain your family's wealth and pass it on to your loved ones without taxes. For a free consultation, give us a call at 626-228-2710. That's 626-228-2710. 626-228-2710. God loves LA. KKLA-FM, Los Angeles. Time to dive into another hour of Living by the Word, and it is sponsored by the Friends of Living by the Word Ministries on 99.5 KKLA. Living by the Word does not necessarily reflect the views of KKLA staff, management, or sponsors. Let's get into it. And welcome back to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian Allen with Professor Craig Hawkins. And we have Eric who's screening our calls tonight and Annie who's back who always does a fantastic job. Uh, before we get to uh, back to Dan, uh, I'm going to make another appeal to, again, our listening audience to, um, you know, to support this uh, this radio broadcast financially. And the reason I say that is uh, I forgot last week to even ask one time. And it was funny because uh, we we're in the mailbox this week, this past week, and nothing was in there. So, uh you know, you know, you guys have been really great for those that give, and we definitely want to thank you. Thank you for your prayers for those that pray for us, and thank you for your financial support. And 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 again, uh, you know, it's it's uh, uh, you know, the devil doesn't want us to be on air. That's just the bottom line. Doesn't want us to be on air and do anything he can to um, have us off. But the fact is, is that your financial support keeps us on the air. It takes care of our radio bills. And uh, it pays uh, Craig Gerald's and my salary, which is zero. Uh, but, it, you know, the bottom line is, all joking aside, is your your financial donation um, pays the cost of doing this radio broadcast. We've been on over 20 years, and we just thank God for that. Um, his spiritual warfare is not going to stop. Uh, the devil's going to keep doing everything he can to uh, uh, keep us off the air. And uh, so, again... Uh, if you believe in this ministry, believe in what we're doing, believe, again, if this show has been a blessing to you, if it's if, if it's doing what it's supposed to do, answering your Bible questions, uh, then we're going to ask, and I'm going to ask, that you support us financially. A couple ways you can do it. You can go right online. Real simple. Go to BibleInfoBrokers.com, click on the link that says Support and Donate, and just uh, put in what it, whatever you want to give, and it, it, it's online, and it comes to us right away. It's very secure and safe, and, uh, you know, we get your donation right away, <clears throat> and uh, that helps us. The other way you can do it is that you can just uh, write a check out, money order, however you want to do it, and you can mail it in to us, and you can uh, uh, mail it to P.O. Box 90477, Los Angeles, California, 90009. Once again, that's P.O. Box 90477, Los Angeles, California, 90009. Uh, so, again, like I always say, you know, whether it's by mail or by internet, 
Uh, I, I want to thank you in advance for supporting us. Uh, you know, things have gotten slow. I'll be honest with you. Uh, we don't want to get to a point where, you know, where we have been before. And a lot, if you guys have been regular listeners, you know that we, you know, there's a time we were just one day away from being off the air after 20 years. Okay. Again, it's spiritual warfare. Okay. But, you know, I, I want to thank those that always are fighting with us, uh, prayerfully and financially. So with that being said, <clears throat> uh, we're going to get back to, um, no, I do. I, and I did want to mention something else. You know, the professor, um, you know, he travels, I guess, every other second or third month with his ministry, uh, training the trainers uh, in India and uh, all, you know, a variety of different locations. And um, uh, and I want to thank you guys for supporting him with that. But uh, he was very kind to uh, send us some pictures. He has to be very careful what pictures he does send. But uh, they're up on our website, uh, not on the website. And, I, you know, I should put them on the website. But they're on our Facebook page, okay? Uh, right now, you can go to uh, our Facebook page, uh, Bible Info, uh, Bible Information Brokers, and uh, you can see some of the pictures up there of Craig and uh, some of the uh, uh, people that he works with and uh, uh, different uh uh, things that were going on while he was out there. So if you get a chance, go to Facebook, go look up uh, Bible Information Brokers, and you can see some of the pictures. So that being said, um, we are going to go back and finish up our conversation with our friend Dan. And let's pull Dan up. All right, Dan, you there? I'm here. All right. Hey, Craig, are you there? Hopefully. All righty. <clears throat> okay, so go on. Uh, you, you guys can uh, continue, Craig. Uh, right. Well, my, my, my point is it, philosophy can be invaluable because, as one of my colleagues has said for years, it's, you deal with the rules that people play by. People assume some rules. Even in law, there's uh, standards of evidence and argumentation and what's permissible, what's, what's, what's considered uh, you know you, what you can offer uh, admissible in the court of law, and these are standards, these are guidelines, and 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 in life, so the philosophy actually deals with the underpinnings, with the presuppositions or assumptions that people have, and sometimes those assumptions are just flat out wrong. Um, but you deal with things like, you know, what does follow, what necessarily follows, quaderat demonstratum, we'd say in Latin, what doesn't follow, non secular, and what may follow. And people get confused. Sometimes they think something that may follow must follow. And I won't spend time going through syllogisms right now, giving examples for time's sake, maybe another time. But, the, the, but they mess these things up. But, Brian, it's not just people. It's academics mess these things up, people who've not really mm -hmm. studied this stuff, and some people who have. Uh, so uh, I use a term that philosophy and logic in particular is parasitic, and what I mean by that. I mean, it can actually be bad, but I don't mean that in a bad sense. I mean, so when someone's a biologist or a chemist or a historian or whatever, sooner or later they, they make arguments. They, they, they argue for positions. And someone may have a lot of data, but their arguments may be really poor for that. And so people think, well, I'm the expert. I know what I'm talking about. And like, no, it doesn't necessarily follow. You, do, you, you may be an expert in biology or you know, some type of forensic evidence or something like that. But if you don't think well, if you don't reason well, you're going to make some big mistakes. And theologians do this all the time. First of all, some of them are just flat out wrong about their theological assumptions and knowledge sometimes. But even when they're not, they, they sometimes they, they extrapolate poorly. And I think of, there's a whole host of 
so-called postmodernists emerge in emerging folks, and they make some really bad arguments. And, and, and philosophically, it's just some of it's really bad, um, and uh, it's sad. And so, uh, so there's some people who are really overall good scholars, but just have we all can make mistakes. And the value of philosophy, in particular epistemology, and more specifically logic, uh, Dan, is it allows us to analyze these views and someone saying, well, you know, really this this is the defensible view. I can't really hold ipsum a verba. I need to hold ipsum a vox because of this data. And I would argue with all due respect, their reasoning is be- is wrong. Um, the right. evidence supports ipsum a verba. I'm going to argue respectfully. And I would argue respectfully the arguments uh, uh, against it are really bad, and, and they result in some really um, dire consequences. I'll use that term. It's pretty strong. But for, for, for the position that denies that, I think it's a real significant problem. So with that said, I'll, I'll let that rest for now. All right. I've been, listening, I've been listening about two hours today to Walter Martin, and I heard him say the other day that uh, he said, you can't, the guy's talking philosophically to him. He says, you can't even prove you exist. He says, I can prove empirically that I exist. He says, how's that? He said, you're talking to me. Uh, otherwise, you're talking to yourself, and they'll be coming to get you. Vintage Dr. Martin. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, so, there's a number of things that need to be said, you know, and then sometimes some of the arguments against Christianity are really silly, but they're really um, they're difficult for the person who's not trained in these areas. Uh, some things that sound really profound are, are really dumb. Um, but you need that type of training to be able to identify that and, and, point, and point that out. But anyway. When the Buddhists, Buddhist uh, their whole thing is philosophical. When they try to convert you, though, they always use logic. Uh, anyway, well, yeah, that was my last word on that. Will you pray for me before we go? Yeah, absolutely. And I would argue there is a very big tradition. A number of early Buddhist uh, philosophers were actually very good logicians. And so you cannot not use logic. Let me just say this. You cannot log- not use logic. As much as people denigrate it, even Christians talk in pietistic, nonsensical tones, um, uh, logic is, is just... It's, it's like the, I've had students like, oh, I'm going to give you ten lo- I'm going to give you ten arguments why logic is not true. And you're like, really? Ten arguments? You're doubling down <laughs> ten times using the very thing. That's really equivalent to someone who says, I cannot utter a word in English. And you're like, you just did. And, and so people, because mm-hmm. they don't understand the basics of logic, say some really, people who mean well, even pastors, even theologians, say some really goofy things. Goofy's a nice word. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and they're using it all the time. And so uh, that's why it's so important to point these things out. But, uh, but, uh, but I'm, I'm going on. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our brother Dan. What a blessing he is. He's always such a blessing. We thank you for him. And, Father, you know his predicament and what's going on. And... Uh, uh, his financial condition state. We just pray for him and his wife and the best for them and uh, just provide a home for him and uh, just be with him and strengthen it and encourage him. We again thank you for the blessing he is to us and we know to others. And we ask your work and will and your best for him. Uh, just again uh, meet his financial needs and the health concerns for him and his wife and again just a living quarters. So we bring him before you. We thank you so much for him and pray your best in Christ's name for our brother Dan and others who are in similar circumstances. In Christ's name for his glory. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Dan, we'll talk to you. Dan, my good friend, we'll talk to you next week. 
I love you guys so much. Take care, my friend. Likewise, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. You are listening to the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Brian with Craig. We're going to move on. We're going to go to Costa Mesa, and Tom has been patiently waiting. Tom, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Can you guys hear me? Hear you loud and clear. Oh, thank you. I can hear you now. Nice. Glad you're back from your trip. Craig, that was bad. <laughs> Tom, Craig just... Hi, Tom. Good you evening. I'm sorry. I'm speaking over you. No, no. Craig, Craig was making a joke, so... I'm glad you're back, and uh, it's so awesome. I'm so proud of you to go and do all that. I wish I could do it, but it's yours. Well, you did it. You know, if if you prayed for me, you know, uh, you were a part of that, and you helped train a a lot of pastors from Myanmar, and that's going to have eternal fruit already. Yeah, so thanks, Tom. Anyway, I have a question on the coming of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4.16, and... This is what we call the rapture, I, I guess. This 4.16, 17, Christ, the dead will rise first, and those who are left, still alive, will be caught up in the air and be ever with the Lord. Then it goes to chapter 5. Now, brethren, about the times, we don't know. We need to write to you about this. The day of the Lord will come like sleep in the night peace and safety, and then destruction will come suddenly. So I'm there, and then I turn my page to 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, and it starts here in verse 6. God is just will pay back trouble for those of you and give relief. It happen when the Lord is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. I don't know if that's the rapture. Back, you will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. They will be. Well, we're, uh, we're losing you, Tom. So are they? Well, Hello? Yeah, Tom, we're losing you. Can you hear me? Now we can hear you, but you're going in and out. Okay, sorry. Um, there's two mentions about the return of Christ. So the one is the. First Thessalonians 4.16 and onward. And then in Second Thessalonians, it talks in chapter 1 about his return more in a judgmental way, blazing fire and powerful angels. Is this the same event? Did you catch that, Craig? No, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm having trouble hear, hearing Tom. Okay. Uh, first, first, uh, first Thessalonians four, and where did you say about verse seventeen, eighteen? Right about there. Yeah, the rat. Uh, the, well, that will be raised first, and then, then us who are still alive. Okay, That's, and you wanted to know is that the same as what they're talking about in Second Thessalonians? I think it's chapter one, right? Yep, around verse six, he's talking about. Um, the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who know not, do not know God. Is that the right. same event? Yeah, ta- mm-hmm. yeah, you want to know that was the same, same event, Craig? Yeah, that's a great question, Tom. And there are differing views, uh, 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 tr- traditional uh, pre-tribulationists, pre-millennial pre-tribber, 
we would say no, they're separate things. One, the second one from uh, two is actually the second coming of Christ at the Battle of Armageddon, and they yeah. would say that the, the First Thessalonians four, uh, they would argue, is the rapture uh, about seven years before that. And with all due respect, I would disagree with that view, and I see them as being the same thing. I would argue is when it says he meets them, he comes to meet them, and they, he stays with them. He doesn't go somewhere else. He doesn't take oh. them and then go back to heaven. But So I, w- I would argue my view would be as, a, as a, what's called historical premillennialist. I hold a view that they're, they're one and the same thing. I think so, too, because it says, um, well, in verse 5 after First Thessalonians 4, about the times and dates, we don't need to write to you, for you know very well that's coming the thief in the night. Peace and safety, all of a sudden destruction will come on them suddenly. And that refers to Second Thessalonians, that the judgment when he's coming. It, ta- it kind of ties in. It first talks about the beauty of being raptured, and then all of a sudden you're in Second Thessalonians, and it's, it's it's a judgment. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole scene changes. Yeah, I I so, agree. And I I don't know. I just I don't know. I just trying to tie that together. So it's one event. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to tie it together, but I just think it does tie together. And as Brian and I often say, and Daryl, well, this is one view. We hope we are wrong. Uh, we hope we're wrong, but I I would argue the view of the early church. This view was unknown in the early church. And by the way, it's interesting to say two things here. This view, the, the pre-trib view, is unknown in the early church, number one. But more importantly, I would argue, that's a time issue. Well, actually, it's, not, impo- it's not, not important. If you can't find your view on something in the early church, you need to seriously consider it. If nobody's arguing your position, nobody holds it, you, you want to think that through several times. The second view is, most importantly, I would argue exegetically, I would argue the evidence is not in favor of pre-tribulation view, with all due respect. Now, I know some people will disagree with me, but they, just, they disagree. Give me the argument from the Greek text, number one. Now, there, there are godly, intelligent people who hold this view. I'm not trying to be dismissive of that, but, but I'm going to argue, give me the argument. And it's interesting, there is a book that came out a while back about uh, uh, basically uh, uh, dispensationalism before Darby. And, and sometimes I said, look, the Hawkins is wrong. It is in the early church. No, it's not. It's like the 17, uh, 1700s. Okay, they push it back maybe 100, 200 years. And then they try to uh, cite, uh, um, who's the guy right now? Um, I'm drawing a blank. There's some guy, but at best he comes from the 800s. Uh, there's, there's somebody they try to say that uh, this guy actually holds the view. But I'm t- when I talk to the early church, I mean hundreds to three hundred, not not eight hundred, because this guy referenced Islam. Well, that has to be after minimally the six hundreds. And by the way, when he talks about the coming of Christ, it actually appears he's talking about death. Um, so there, um, there's these views that oh, well, the, the Hawkins is wrong. There are these people who talk about this early on uh, pre-trib view, and it's like no, they don't. At the best, it's like seven, eight hundreds. And actually, it's highly debatable that he even mentions that it. it's actually referring to in context death, and minimally, it's after the rise of Islam, which has to be after the 600s. So, at any rate, I mean, godly, intelligent people disagree, but I'm going to argue this view is not found in the early church. I stand by that statement, number one. And number two, more importantly, perhaps, is exegetically uh, that I would argue the position doesn't fly, and uh, the view that does follow, I would argue, would say that 
logically and exegetically would be that uh, that First Thessalonians four and Second Thessalonians one are describing the same event. Okay. So, and what what um, what? I mean, who? Well, that's a different question. Who decides? Who gets taken up? I mean, if someone's on the fence about receiving Christ, is he going to? I mean, it would be silly to take some people and leave others, and it uh, doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Well, I, I guess it would. Be, it's possible. You know, I guess just the question is, does the Bible? If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. You haven't been born again. I assume that that those are the people who will be raptured and come back at the same time. I don't. I don't know. That's another question. That's uh, that's something we don't know. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Now, my other question is quick. Second uh, Thessalonians two, the man of lawlessness, lawlessness, the one who now holds it back. I don't know who that is. Will continue to do so till it is taken out of the way. Some kind of restrainer. Some people. I would argue. The Holy Spirit is going to disappear. What's going on with that? That's well, he's crazy. not going to disappear. He he can't disappear. He's omnipresent. That's right. Um, what he's going to do is simply he's no longer going to hold them back. In other words, God restrains evil, and God does it in a number of ways. He does that through what are called orders of creation, the government when it's properly functioning, the family and the church when they properly function, promote good, stem evil. Uh, but there are some things God literally, in some demonic spirits, God directly holds back. And so God can restrain somebody from doing something or appearing, and so it just means it, it, we say take take he takes his hands off. Uh, we would use the phrase take your hands off that or well I took my hands off I let him go, um, okay. and it's a, it's an idiom. It just means if you will uh, that he's no longer holding him back, restraining. But it doesn't mean he's like gone. People say well this proves that you know this is the church is gone. But like no 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 the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He he's everywhere present. Yeah, they're going to be saved during the tribulation. People will be saved during the tribulation. Yeah, otherwise nobody could be saved. But just ontologically, we say, look, God is omnipresent. God's even in hell, in quotes, if you will. or uh, He's just not present in the sense that he is at a church service or what have you. But God is literally everywhere present. Yeah, the expression here indicates that we know some things about evil only as God reveals them. So that's what you're telling us. Later on, it's gonna, we're, we're going to know a lot more about evil. As, as, as we're in the tribulation, which we hope. Well, sure. I mean, everything ultimately we know only because God grants us that ability to know it, to learn it, or either so naturally or discursively, we say, or through direct revelation. All of that is goes to the filter of God's sovereignty. You can see it going on in the world today. So, yeah. oh, look right. at it. Yeah, so we're we're Incredible. we're learning, and I bless you guys, and thank you very much for the help. Thanks so much, Tom. Great Bye. question. God bless Bye. you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to get to Eric next, but Craig, it's, um, I didn't hear, I mean, I didn't get all the details, but man, this, you know, there's some crazy stuff going on in this world, and um, what did you hear about, uh, or did you hear about the, uh, I guess, the gunman who went into the church and just opened up and uh, killed 20-some people? I, I didn't get the exact details, and uh, uh, what did you know about it, or what do you know about it? I only heard about it. I just uh, tonight I was working on other things. I really don't uh, know anything else other than that it happened, Brian. I have no idea regarding the motivation or, or what have you. Okay. Well, again, I, I'd, I'd ask our listening audience to pray for those families that you know 
uh, that lost that you know lost lives and and those that were injured and uh, uh, you know again I don't know the details I, I just heard that there's 20 some people that got killed and others were injured and uh, I guess one of the one of the uh, uh, people from that church went to their car they had a gun and apparently uh, the guy uh, is is uh, is dead now but again uh, just another crazy senseless act and. Uh, you know, yeah, Craig, we talk, talk about the, the devil running around this, you know, just causing havoc and other things. It's just you, we're seeing it more and more and more. Well, sure. But I guess so. So I admit, you know, I'm, I'm, since I'm not a news person, I mean, I really don't. <laughs> excuse me. Actually, one of my sons told me about it. And I did attempt to look up on the Internet, but I was actually preoccupied with doing something else at the time. And so. Uh, I just want to say two things. So I'm, I'm well. Three things. Number one, I I don't know Brian, and hope, uh, we do feel for the loss. Apparently, even the pastor, uh, one of his children or his only child, I'm not sure, a 14 year old girl, I believe, was actually killed. Mm. Um, it's sad. And uh, my second point is, some will just say, well, you know, that's really these people are all insane. They're just certifiable, um, and and that's an easy statement to make. But uh, it's not always true. Sometimes people aren't just mentally ill. They are. I would argue there's a thing called evil. And people do some pretty despicable, wicked acts. So, yeah, sometimes people are mentally ill, deranged, what we, a technical definition of, uh, of you know, in mentally incompetent um, when it comes to sense of right and wrong. But, but some of these people are just evil. You study serial killers and, and people do stuff like this. Third, third point is, again, I, I'm, I'm not up on all the details of what actually happened and why it happened, I don't know, in Texas. What I do know, Brian, is, and I don't mean to make light of this at all, I'm sure it's obviously very uh, traumatic and what happened, but, you know, reality is we're all going to meet our maker, whether it's, uh, God forbid, in some type of heinous crime like this or a so-called traffic accident, which is really a wreck, there's no accidents in one sense, or one dies of natural causes at an old age or or somewhere in between or very young, we're all going to meet our maker, uh, Brian. We, We all have a destiny. We all have an appointment with this sovereign of the universe, not the Supreme Court of America or even the, uh, the World Court, but the Supreme Court of the universe uh, by, that is, uh, if you will, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we will all give an account for our lives, how we lived, and most specifically what we did or didn't do with the Lord Jesus Christ, whether one believed in him, whether they appropriated his work, his, uh, his suffering in their place for them or not. And the key word here is appropriation. Is Christ, can I say it this way, your attorney? Is he your advocate? That's really what one of the word means. He's an attorney, legal counselor, someone who intercedes on one's behalf in a court of law. Or is he your divine physician? You have a terminal heart disease. You need a heart transplant, Even not, not even just quadruple bypass. You need a, literally a new heart, a heart transplant. And uh, the divine physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the only doctor who can give you that. And free it charge to you. However you want to say this, my friend, you're going to die. I, I'm not trying to be morbid here. I'm just speaking reality. Um, it's not a question of if, but of when. And you are going to meet God one way or the other. Now, I would recommend that you meet him on his terms. That is, that's someone who's trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Not only will you experience life in that more abundantly here and now, I didn't say an easy life, I didn't say a life without any problems. In fact, your life may get far more difficult than it ever has been. I've got to be honest with you. Truth in advertising, they say. Uh, It may be more difficult than you've ever had it, but it will be worth it. 
Not easy, but worth it. And you will experience, I think even what Abraham Maslow talks about is uh, human flourishing, the idea of uh, developing one's human potential. You will be able to develop what it means to be truly human because of the gifting of God, not being a superman or superwoman, but who you were meant to be, to be a fully developed human being in this life, uh, to, to develop one's potential. So, but, but besides that issue, and uh, human flourishing here and now is, my friend, you're going to live somewhere for all eternity. I suggest you go to the good place, and that is to heaven, uh, the abode of God, and that is done through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And by the way, the clock for eternity is ticking. It's already running, and you have an appointment. One more time, I mentioned that. I suggest you get right with God. Trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ask Him for forgiveness. If you're not even sure, you say, look, I don't even know if there is a God. I don't, I'm not even sure about all this stuff you're talking about. Then I would ask you to do something really simple. Just pray something like this. God, if you're real, if you really exist, like this guy's talking about, then will you reveal yourself to me? Will you make it patently known to me that you really do exist, and you really do care about me and my existence and my life? And my friend, I know that God will do that, because he said, come see, taste, the Lord is good. Uh, we're not talking about tempting God here, or trying to get him to jump through hoops for us, but there is a legitimate point of God, if you really exist, then show yourself to me, or make yourself real to me. Speak to me. I would encourage you primarily to read his Bible. Uh, read the Bible. Get a Bible, we'd be happy to send one to you. Read something like what's called the Gospel of John, a book, uh, an epistle, if you will, a letter, in the New Testament, written by a guy named John. Read that and say, God, if you're real, speak to me. Show me that you truly exist. And my friend, he will do that. And you will know that you know that you know. Trust in Christ. Receive him now as your personal Lord and Savior, because you have an appointment and I suggest you make that appointment with him as your advocate and not as your judge. Thank you so much, Professor. And I want to say two things to that. You know, the professor made a comment. He, he well, he used the word eternity. And I always like to use the term, eternity is too long to be wrong. And, uh, and just think about that. The other thing I want to say is that, you know, in, in light of what happened in Texas, you know, you, you never when it is, you never know when it, your time's coming. You don't know, you know. Uh, I, I think of the just the horrible things that take place uh, at, at Las Vegas, uh, things that happened in um, uh, years ago, 9-11, okay. Last, uh, yeah, uh, the thing that happened today, you just never know, okay. Car accident, okay. Uh, someone breaks in, wrong place, wrong time. You just never know. But when that time comes and you leave this earth, you're into eternity. And you know what? Like, like the professor says, uh, you don't want to be on, uh, on the wrong team. I kid you not. Because, like I said, it's eternal. It's an eternal decision. And eternity is too long to be wrong. So I'm going to leave it at that. All right, Craig, ready to get back to these phone calls? Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to, he's been waiting a while, Eric in the Woodland Hills area. Eric, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're doing well now. Uh, your question for this evening. Okay, I got two quick questions. I know you guys are busy. Um, one is election. I'm not too sure what that means about the elect. And the second one is, are people destined for hell? Some people. Are they destined for hell? Right. 
Yeah, well, of course, Eric, those are very controversial questions, and Christians have different answers answers to those. And so I guess, let me just start out with this. The word elect is the same word in Greek, verb, noun, adjective, adverbs, respectively, uh, as the word chosen. To be chose, to be to choose, or to be chosen, the chosen one or ones, is the same as the elect. They're the same words in Greek. So there clearly is this concept, this idea that God has chosen people, uh, so that concept is definitely biblical. The, the, the $64,000 question is, on what basis has he chosen them? Well, on what basis does God choose some and not choose others? And that's where there's radical disagreements among Christians. And so, second point is, uh, are some destined to hell? Well, in one sense, yes, that is, certainly people are going to go there, and those are people who reject the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They basically say, I'll do it my way, I don't really believe there's a God, or I can do it the same way I want to, or I'm good enough to go there, or I am divine. You know, fill in the blanks, whatever it is, the false view they have. They think that they can and will, go, you know, can do things their way, and they're going to find out the hard way, <laughs> to say the least. That's not the case. So people are destined to go there. But if you're asking the question, which I think you are, are they predestined to go there? And, and That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. no, no, that's, that's fine. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. And are they predestined? That is, does, did did God make some people just to send them to hell? Uh, I right. don't hold that view. I don't hold that view. There are people who do. There are particular what are called superlapsarian Calvinists who believe God made some people just to go to an eternal place of punishment. I do not hold that view. Um, I believe that. Uh, predestination is a biblical doctrine, but I don't believe just because of that. I, I would argue, first of all, I don't know how it works. I know God is just and fair and good and righteous. I know that, but I know according to, according to Ephesians 1, he's predestined people according to his good will and pleasure, and it also says in love. Um, so I trust that God is loving, is good. Uh, I would argue that's a, a preliminary uh, you know, premises here from the uh, scripture um and uh, he does it according to his will and i don't know exactly all the the conditions i'm not sure i know any of them other than ones i just mentioned uh but i i just trust and believe that god is fair and righteous and good and just and when i hear the verdict i'm going to go yay and amen right and just and true are all your ways O lord um but i do not hold the view that he just made some people to 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 send them to hell that's not my understanding now there is another distinction that be, needs to be made there are what are called infralapsarian uh, calvinists and people like an rc sprawl who i have great appreciation for he would believe the, uh, yes that some are predestined to hell uh, but he means it in this sense that uh, he may, would make this what's called an active versus passive distinction. And by that he means that people, God doesn't actively uh, predestine anyone to hell. Uh, that's, that's clearly not taught, he would argue. But he passes over them. He, they deserve hell, and he simply does not redeem them. Can I say this a little differently? Um, just to be blunt, um, uh, there is the view that Christ did not die for certain people. He only died for the elect. He, his, his, his purpose of redeeming or saving uh, it was only for certain people, and those are the people we would call the elect or the chosen, as we started out talking about, same words in Greek. Um, and those, those people alone can be saved. Now, some hold an act... Uh, Typically, they hold a passive-active view, which is he actively saves people, but he does not, what we say, actively reprobate them, unless you're what's called a super-lapsarian Calvinist, which they believe that God literally, reprobation means damnation, that God literally made some people, and he made them in advance with the idea that they're going to go to hell for all eternity. I don't hold mm. that view. 
Okay. All right, Eric. Yeah, that's like that's that's a blessing. Thank you. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Okay. Take care. Uh, thanks, Eric. You guys have a blessed night. You do the same. You as well. All righty. Um, let's go to let's go to El Monte, and we're going to talk to Jay. Jay, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I think I. Brian, you're a ventriloquist. That's right. Hold on, let me turn off my. I'm um, well, calling regards of uh, power from on high. Uh, has to do with John. Let me see. Um, with uh, Luke twenty four forty nine and John one man. I lost it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's all right. You, you, you. It was only almost an hour, but that, I'm just messing with you, Jay. <laughs> I lost that page. I can't believe I had it earlier. Anyway, uh, power from on high. How does one experience this? It's a promise by God. Yeah. Well, I, I would argue, and some would say, well, that's not sorry for today. I would argue. In fact, it was uh, one of our uh, colleagues that teaches, uh, co-leads the uh, science school class that, that I'm involved in. Uh, Brad did a wonderful job today from Romans, and we were talking about the beauty of God is, now I know you're talking about a passage from John, but uh, the beauty is God not only forgives us of our sins, of our transgressions, of our imperfections, of our, uh, our, our um, what's the word I want, offenses against him and others, but he actually, so he, 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 forgiving us is important, pardoning us is important, but he also empowers us not to keep falling into sin, not to have to keep sinning. And, and then the ultimate beauty is, and I would argue that's the power on high, is that God empowers us. And by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, I'll come back to him in just a moment. And number three, though, as well, and then God, in addition to the first two points I just made, he adopts us. He, he, we become his very children. And he he could have saved us, he or he could have forgiven us and not empowered us to overcome sin. He could have done both of those, but not adopted us. But he does all the above, and so I would argue the power from on high is really is God, and specifically it's the Holy Spirit who comes up into the believer upon them, overflowing them, and he equips them. Uh, for example, in the Book of Acts, Jesus tells them to what wait wait and excuse me, wait in Jerusalem until they've been uh, endued with power, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's for service. That's for the, the Christian, living the Christian life and for witnessing to Christ. God th- never says, look, God doesn't say, go, go take some marketing courses and be as creative, and I'm, I'm leaving this all up to you. I need all your help. I can't really figure out how to market my, my, my program here. <laughs> um, you know, I need all your help. God says, no, 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 you, you need my help. You need to be equipped to fill the overflowing by the Holy Spirit, and he will equip you not only for the Christian life, as we were just talking about, but also in sharing the gospel. That is a divine gifting, Jay, I would argue. Oh, okay. So, uh, so as in Mark um, sixteen, verse seventeen to eighteen, that's the power of our Lord, or the power from on high as well. Well, I would argue all the above. We yeah, can, it's the same. We can distinguish among the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, uh, but 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 they, they, the three are the one true triune God. Uh, but but whether it comes from any one of them or all three of them together or what have you. 
uh, it's the same God and it's the same divine power. Hmm. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks so much, uh, Jay. Bless you. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Yeah, and real quickly, I think of, again, of, of Acts chapter 1, Brian. Jesus said to the apostles, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so uh, they were to wait to be equipped to be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God, equipping them again to live the Christian life, and to be powerful witnesses at that, of, of the truthfulness of the, the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where was the other passage, Craig? I, I, it might have been in John where they were to, they received the Holy Spirit. And I, I know a question always comes up about Acts 1 and that other passage. I don't know if it was in John. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do, but I don't have my hand on it. Yeah. We're using a computer. I'm not, so I, I don't. No problem. I know what you're talking about, but I don't have the address off, on the top of my That's okay, Spock. Head. You're, you're better than a computer. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Bible Information Brokers. Uh, we uh, probably get it. We have another caller. We probably get a couple more in. If you have a question, give us a call. one la talks one 888 Eric is waiting so he can get you set up to get your question uh, answered. Again, one la talks one 888 Five five seven. Uh, we're going to go to the Costa Mesa area, and we're going to talk to Joy. Joy, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, real good. Uh, thank you. Again, it, that passage is in John twenty twenty two. I know that because I've asked that question before. Thank you so about, much. Yeah, because it's a very yeah, it's a common question. Right, and I'm really um, loved your answer to that last gentleman about the power of the Holy Spirit. And also, I loved your um, excerpt. Oh, first of all, I'm really impressed. 15 years, university. Uh, that's that's quite something. So, you well, know, that or I'm just awfully it. slow. So uh. <laughs> No, no, that's wonderful. And, um, and that's why you give the answers you do. And also, I loved your exhortation about, um, yeah, we're all going to meet the Lord one day. And everything you said, that was really so right on. So my question is a real little little question. It's in John three thirty six, where he says, um, "He who believes in the Son has everlasting light, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him." So that's in the NIV and most versions like that. And then recently, I happened to uh, be reading that in the New American Standard Version, and uh, one word changed, and I thought, "Oh, that's really." You know, I want to ask you about that word. So he says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And I actually, I thought about that, and I looked up references of the references to Acts um, 14.2 and Hebrews 3.18 go with that. Um, so to disobey would be like to disbelieve, because, you know, the one, you know, so I just want to ask you about that. Because it actually makes sense to me. You don't believe, you are disobeying God. So, uh, right, and of course some would take that, well, if you don't do good works, if you don't get enough works, you won't yeah. be saved. Um, so Joy, help me out. Sorry, I'm trying to walk and chew gum here. So we're, gonna, we're going back to John chapter 3, though. That's what started this. Is that correct? 
36. Yeah, verse 36. Yeah, three. Let me get there. Let me do this okay. first. Look here, and then I'll, I'll try to comment on the other um, passages and, and points you are making. And, and you know and what? Maybe in the Greek, maybe what it, whatever it might say in the Greek. No, yeah, the one believing is a participle. And the Son has a life eternal. In Greek, by the way, I heard somebody actually say this. Well, it matters where you put the words. No, it doesn't. You can put the words anywhere you want in Greek because it's the what's called inflected endings. And often, well, I, I was doing this, uh, doing a Bible study, and somebody said, well, I'll read it in Greek. And I said, well, I could do that, but it won't make much sense to you. And I thought, well, no, you need to hear it. So, because you sound like Yoda, uh, because you're saying things backwards <laughs> from the normal subject-verb-object <laughs> format we're used to in English. Uh, right. But the one believing in the Son has eternal life, but the one disobeying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is um, it, it is the, the word... Um, uh, for for to obey, yeah, that is correct. It's not just uh, the one who does not believe, and but so so that is correct, and that's why the NASB has uh, does not obey versus doesn't just not believe. But now some might say so. That's the point number one. Uh, point number two is some might say, so well, that's a good translation, though, right? Professor? Yeah, it, it, yeah. Almost almost always the NASB is one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate, overall. English translation from the original languages. It's we say it's wooden. It's a little choppy to read. It's not as because it's not a thought for thought translation. It's more word for word, and sometimes it follows the Greek word order, which is a little choppy. You know, okay. you know, like in for example, in, in French, for example, you may know that many adjectives actually uh, go before the noun, right? And some go after, and they change the meaning. But you know, that when you're used to English, you know, adjectives are. Uh, uh, sometimes they're after, if you will, I meant to say in French, and we're used to them being before, if you will. But at any rate, so it's a, it's a little difficult to read. But but some would say, well, we'll see that proves, you know, works righteousness. What Joe witnesses or Mormons believe you got to do good works. If you don't do them, you won't be saved. But no, God tells us very clearly, right? What does he say? And w- what is God's will? Let me show this. Uh, from John himself, it never hurts to actually have, not that we have to use the same author from the Bible, because ultimately it's all written by the Holy Spirit, but uh, to answer John 3.36, I want to use John. Let me just do that, Joy, uh, to, to get to your, to your question. By the way, you never ask simple questions. You always ask good questions, but they're never simple. So uh-huh. I had a chuckle, and you said, oh, I just have a little simple question. I thought, yeah, right, that'll be the day. <laughs> okay. Thanks. But, uh, but real quickly, um, uh, let me share this. Um, well, let me put it this way. We're told, for example, uh, Jesus is talking about who he is and his identity in John 5 and 6. And, uh, for example, to pick up the dialogue going on in John 6, verse 28, it says, And they asked him, What must we do to do the works of uh, God? Or what is mm. what we do? What must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So there's the work of God. What, what is obedience? Is to obey, is mm. obey God. And what does God command? To believe on his Son. So while technically the word obey is different than the word to believe, but they mean basically the same thing. If you, if you believe, you will obey, and if you don't believe, you won't obey. They, they go together. And just real quickly, one more verse. Uh, I want to go to First John yeah. chapter three, verse twenty-three. One more time. Here's the same author, and what does he say? Um, 
Let me get there. Sorry, mine's actually in different sections of my Bible. And believe me, it is, too. I've it's seen. falling out, actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, but here we go. So here's the same author, Joy, 1 John 3.23 now. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he's commanded. So again, what is his command? What is his work? What is his will? What does it mean to obey him? Obey would be to obey a command, if you will, an ordinance uh, that God requires, and it is, it is to believe on Christ. So again, if you don't believe on him, you're not going to obey him. But if you do believe in the biblical sense, have what's called saving faith, as theologians refer to it, then you will obey, because that is, you will believe on Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And going back, when you're looking at John 3.36, is again, going back to where Craig was in First John, even in verse John 5, it's, he's pretty much saying the same thing uh, insofar as having the Son, you have life, and not having the Son, you do not have life. Yeah, and this Excellent. is present tense. The judgment of God is already... And, and, that, and I don't say this to be you know, cute or, or, or flippant, but... You know, the judgment of God is already upon the non-Christian. It's not it's going to be. The, the sentence has already been uttered. It's just been being, it's, it's being, it's waited on to be implemented to the execution thereof, but it's already in place. And that's why it's so vital. We have a, need to have a sense of urgency of warning people to flee from the judgment of God and to flee to God and trust in Christ their Lord and Savior because that judgment has already been rendered over them, if you will, already been pronounced. It is waiting simply at the microsecond of their death, physical death, it will be implemented. That's why there is a sense of urgency and should be in Christian certain mm. the gospel that people need to mm. trust in Christ Jesus right now, today, not tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. I was talking about earlier, you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Amen. That's right. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And I, I just want to um, say that in my... Um, New American Standard Version, it gave two other cross-references that I thought were really good. In Hebrews 3.18, it says, And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So again, mm-hmm. like, just going along with what you said, right, Professor? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and in uh, Acts 14.2, it says, But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. So... Anyway, yeah, what you said was perfect. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you, you know, Joy. Just over the past month, I can kind of sense your growth in 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 uh, in God's word. It's, it's really pleasant to uh, to hear that, and, and I'm kind of sensing that just from the questions that you ask uh, week in and week out. And so, I just want to thank yeah. God for you, and uh, you know, don't ever stop. Oh, thanks. And I want to tell the professor, since a few couple weeks ago when I asked about a Muslim question, how I how I would have answered him, and mm-hmm. I would have been correct. I forget what it was, but I really took it to heart. And that week I had another, um, I had a few opportunities, and I remembered. And, uh, yeah, so I appreciated what you said. Praise God. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I'll never forget, I was teaching a class one time, and I was dealing with uh, UPC, uh, United Pentecostals, and... Uh, some people have never heard of oneness Pentecostals, like people like T.D. Jakes that deny the Trinity. They believe that God is uh, one singular God and one singular 
person that is the father is the son dot 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 and I remember I was teaching on uh, one is Pentecostalism, and I had made the point. I said, you know, when you equip yourself, anytime you study God's Word and further equip yourself, uh, it's never in vain. God's always going to utilize that. And it was mm-hmm. so funny because somebody who was in the class who, who became a friend of mine um, uh, went to lunch with uh, one of his employees he'd never talked to, had a chance to talk to about God, had worked there at least five, if not ten years. He found out she was a UPC Oneness Pentecostal, and he was able to share what he just learned the night before. And I just thought, that's no coincidence. That happens all the time. I cannot tell you how many times I've studied something, and then somebody will ask me a question, or I'll meet that type of person or viewpoint and be able to share with them. That's, That's no accident. Hey, Joy, we're about to right. run out of time. Yes. We have one more caller. Thank you, Thank you so God much. We'll talk you. to you soon. God Thank bless you. you. Thank you, Joy. Oh. Craig, I think this is a very quick question. Uh, Junior in Los Angeles. Junior, we got about a minute. Uh, you want to ask your question because it looks like it's pretty quick. Junior? <laughs> I think Junior fell asleep. I'm right here. I'm, I'm right here. Oh, Junior, <laughs> uh, make, make it real quick, Junior. We we got a couple minutes. So your your question for the night is? Okay. Uh, my friend gave me a copy of uh, the Hebrew New Testament in English, and uh, it's just a gift. So uh, first of all, it's been a while. Good to hear you guys again, and uh, I've been busy working, and uh, wow, I'm kind of happy to be back over here. But... um. Yeah, so I have a copy right here in my office. Um, it's my night off tonight, so I'm going to, you know, just uh, tuned in uh, as much as I can to this whole broadcast. But, you know, um, yeah, so basically... Um, Make it quick now. Know, we're, we're, we're about out of time, uh, Junior. Okay, just, um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's reliable. Um, how reliable is the English copy of the New testament in hebrew um you know because i'm gonna eventually read the whole thing through but um i'm just taking my time one day at a time studying so what, what's the name of the book the uh the bible it's it's just uh it doesn't say it just says new testament in english and in hebrew and that's it it's uh you know um okay it's just like regular basic well, okay, first of all, Junior, always great to hear from you, number one. Say hi yes, to your family you, for you. us, number two. Number three, I'm sorry, it's the New Testament, but the New Testament in English and Hebrew? Yeah, it's just uh, uh, Hebrew into English. Uh, you know how we read from left to right? This one's from right to left. So, oh, no, no, I get you know. that. I understand that. But my point is, the New Testament wasn't written in Hebrew, so I'm kind of, you're losing oh, me here. Okay. Oh, okay. You mean the, you yeah, mean the Old Testament, the Tanakh? Or, or yeah, is it actually the New Testament? Testament. But, yeah, the, the Pentateuch, Tanakh, uh, I know that's the Old Testament, the first five books, but the New Testament, um, my friend says inside of the jacket, it says uh, the foundation for Hebrew Holy Scriptures, 1940-something, and I don't, I won't read the All whole right. thing to take a time, but, you we, know, it's just... It's sorry, just Brian, it. this wasn't a quick question. Yeah, I'd I have thought to it was. I'd have to see the title sorry, page and move to the translation. Sorry, Could be very good, but I don't know. I'd have to see who did the translation. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, Junior, so I wish I could give you a quick answer. Maybe we can, yeah, I can get a, if you could uh, scan that and send me an email, then I could check it out for you. But uh, I, I'm okay. just, and there's yeah. many of them, but some are good and some are really not, are not good. So, All right, Junior. Right. Thank you so much, Junior. If you could do that, just snapshot it and, and send it over, uh, send it to our website. I mean, send it to uh, our email, and then we could take a look at it. Thank you so much, Junior. Right. Don't mean to rush you. Always good to hear from your brother. Okay. I'll call next week. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Any last words, Craig? I thought it was going to be a quick question. Last words. I'm sorry. <laughs> 
I was gonna. I started to say, Brian, there's no such thing as a quick question. That's but, true, uh, and I should know uh, that. You know, such at the end of the program. But uh, test all things, hold fast that which is good. First Thessalonians five, and we admit that includes what we say. Amen. We are Protestants in the best sense, and that is, look, we're not into hero worship or celebrity status or whatever. It is the word, the About word of God. Five seconds, Craig. That's where that's where it is. Thank test you. Test all things by the word. Thank you so much. Uh, Andy, uh, Eric, thank you so much. We'll see you next week, Lord willing, with another edition of the Bible Information Brokers. Good night.